it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 684 for May 1st, 2021. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz with Programming by Stealth, installment 115 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine. Um, I am delighted to say the weatherman was wrong in all the best possible ways. Oh, goody. You got to go outdoors and play? Well, I, I got. To, I was going to go out and play anyway, but I, I, I went down with all of my waterproofs on, fully expecting to need them, and the sun just shone. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Do you have a way to wad them all up and put them in a backpack or something? No, it was still cold. It was still a north wind. So I was, I was happy of them because they kept me out of the wind, but they didn't have to keep ah. me dry. So that's always well, amazing. And a little bit of vitamin D. Hey, hard to come by here. So I'll take it. <laughs> All I right. I wish I could ship you some some days. <laughs> it's true. I need to ship you some rain from time to time. Actually, yeah, if we could average our weather, that'd be great. But anyway, the- since that's not possible, let's do some git. All right. Sounds good. What are we doing this week? So I am calling this push and, the push and pull of Git. So we are con- effectively, we're continuing our story. So I left you on a cliffhanger last time, right? So we had expanded our scenario from just being, you know, a lone developer working with, you know, a SAN and one development machine and just, you know, pushing to the SAN every time you committed to having a more realistic scenario of two machines, right? Which of us doesn't have at least two machines we're working on? I'm so, going to stop you for re- really quick for a second. Dorothy wrote to me and said, I think it's a typo. You wrote SAN and didn't you mean NAS? No, I work... It, it, so home users would think stor- would think of a network attached storage. Right. Uh, but in industry, proper stuff is a storage area network. So... <laughs> I, in my day-to-day life, talk about SANS all the time because we have storage area networks in work. But yeah, you're right, actually. For a for a scenario that's realistic for a lone developer, a $2 million device is probably not what I think you have. <laughs> that's a fair point. Yeah, two, yeah, lop a few zeros off that. Okay, I so, just okay, wanted to make sure I didn't have to change the show notes back from because in PBS 114 at Dorothy's recommendation, I changed it to NAS. Well, if you want to change this one to NAS afterwards, by all means, do. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave the show notes as they are while we record. But yeah, so in my brain, I think it's in sans all the time because that's interesting. Halfway down the notes, it says nas. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, uh, so for obviously the, for I had users, work brain. <laughs> yeah, so obviously I had work brain for some of the time. But yeah, I think it's really hilarious that the the, the consumer device and the corporate device have the inverse acronyms. Yeah, just to make it confusing. That's nice. It is nice of them, isn't it? Yeah. Dear NetApp, rename your product to a NAS. <laughs> Don't think so. Okay. All right. So back so, to where we were. Yes. So we had basically, we had said that the whole point here that we were trying to get to was having tracking branches. So we learned the time before last that you can have a relationship between two repositories at the repository level. And the term for that is that you have remotes, right? So your repository references another repository as a remote and that's repository to repository but in order to have an easy time of things you actually want to map branch to branch and so the git term for that is tracking and so we said last time that there were three different scenarios where you would establish a tracking relationship so the first scenario was that you have a pre-existing branch locally and a pre-existing branch on the remote and you just want to tell git these already exist. I don't need you. I don't need you to create 
a new branch, I just need you to connect the doohickey to the other doohickey, right? So connect this branch to that branch. And that was done uh, with the git branch minus u for upstream command. The second scenario was where you create a new branch locally and then you publish it to the remote and you want to publish and track in one go. And so that was with git push minus u for upstream. And so that right. would establish a tracking relationship as you pushed. Right. And then I said that the third scenario that I would like you to put a pin on was the inverse of that, where a branch has come into being on the remote, but you don't have a local copy yet, so you want to get a local copy and establish the tracking relationship at the same time. And that's more likely to happen when you're working with somebody else. Or with two computers. Or with two computers. So you created it on one computer... It's up on you the, push. you pushed it to the remote and now you're on the other computer. You need to, to pull that branch and track it at the same time. Correct. Okay. And like you say, if you are co- collaborating with someone, like say today, I made a branch called PBS115-WIP and you had to go and create this kind of a tracking relationship. In fact, now you did it by pointing and clicking on a GUI. Today, mm-hmm. we're going to do it by typey typey on the command line. But cool. it is effectively the scenario that we want to replicate. Yeah. So it's the branch exists on the remote. You don't have it at all. So you want to get it and track. So get and track all in the one go. Um, and that's, yeah, so that's sort of what we're building it all around. But we're building it around a scenario effectively, right, to make it a bit more realistic. So I'm not just going to tell you the command and call it quits. We're going to work through a simulated realistic scenario. So if you'd like to play along, you'll find the zip file, pbs115.zip. If you extract it out, uh, it, you'll find it contains a bundle and a few other bits and bobs. So if you change into that folder, I have, as we've been doing of late, I have created a script file, pbs115-init.sh, um, that will basically, in this case, actually, the script has become really short. Because one of the things I told you about at the end of the last installment was the wonderful git clone command, which takes information from some sort of remote somewhere and just copies the entire thing and sets up the tracking relationships for you. So it just does it all in one beautiful go. It it uh, it creates a remote named origin. It just does everything. So really, the script has become three clone commands. Clone the bundle into our bare repository on the pretend NAS, so pbs115a-nas.git. Clone the NAS repository into a regular repository named pbs115a-desktops, our pretend desktop. And then clone the NAS repository again to create our laptop, so pbs115a-laptop. So we have, we have our, we're simulating the real-world scenario of a NAS a laptop and a desktop. They're just three folders in the same temp file, but hey, look, we're simulating, right? So all you have to do is uh, chmod755 the the shell script so that it's actually executable and then just execute it with dot slash pbs115-init.sh. And uh, that should do those three clone commands for you. It did. I have the appropriate folders here, which are all three separate Git repositories now, right? Indeed they are. Okay. And so, you know, previously that script was doing lots and lots and lots of work because I was doing everything to avoid using clone because I hadn't thought it yet and mm-hmm. no more workarounds. It was just clone. All right. Easier. So our worked example is going to be our imaginary self is uh, 
sitting at her imaginary desktop, working away, and suddenly we go, oh my goodness, the history of Hello World is missing an entry. In 2019, I started to use ZSH, which is sort of a programming language as well as a shell, really. I mean, I'm doing an awful lot of shell scripting these days, actually. I know so I should add quickly, that. Bart, but ZSH, we started using that two years ago now? I know. Oh, wow, any minute now, we got to go back to taming the terminal and t- you got to teach us CSH, right? <laughs> that is that is actually really quite on the list. And there's something else called Shame One that's really on the list because I needed to do Git before I could do Shame One. You're going to love that. You're going to absolutely adore that. That's going to give us a crossover between the two series. Ooh, crossover so. event of the summer. Okay. Yeah. You're going to, trust me, you're going to love it when we get to it. Anyway, teasing now. So. Let us imagine we're sitting at our desktop because we like having a nice big screen and we start to work away. So first thing to do is to change into that repository. So CD PBS one of a dash desktop. So we are following our own branching strategy. So if we want to do a new piece of work, well, we should create ourselves a new dev branch. So git space checkout space minus B for make branch space dev dash ZSH. There we go. Okay. So we're going to start work by adding another entry into our carousel. Um, But to save you some typing, you'll find an updated version of index.html sitting in the folder pbs1105a-2. If you could copy that into the working tree for the pretend desktop. Okay. And then we can commit it. already exists in this location. That's okay. Correct. You're replacing the old version. Replacing with an older version. No, a newer item already exists in... Right, because of the order in which things were copied, because okay. you've extracted the zip file, right? It's not yeah. really older. Yeah, Got, okay. Just want to make sure it wasn't messing anything up. I thought it might be that. Yeah. Okay. So we can now commit. Um, I I went for a very, you know, sticking with our uh, standard standardized commit. That's not, I'm getting my words wrong again. Structured commits. There we go. Um... I'm calling it whip colon made a start on adding ZSH to hello world carousel. So git commit minus am whip colon made a start on yada yada yada. So okay. that creates a new commit. Well, we should push that. We now need to publish just like we did last week. We want to publish and track. So we do that with git push minus u. So we say git space push space minus u space origin space dev dash ZSH. And dev dash ZSH was the branch we checked out. That is actually, what we're actually doing is giving it a name up on the far side, which, because we're going to push the current branch. And the current branch is ZSH, but you have to be explicit and tell it what to call it when it gets on the other side. It doesn't have to be the same name, but why would you make it a different name? Look at it all come flooding back in from two whole weeks ago. Okay. So that should push it all up. So uh, this went by really quickly. Maybe I was just being slow, but what we did was we checked out a branch. We, in theory, we updated the index. We used the checkout minus B, which is check out a new branch. Oh, okay. Okay. So we created a new branch, checked it out in all one's fell swoop called devdesk.sh. We updated the uh, index.html to include the section that says Bart learned how to use ZSH in 2019. And then we uh, made a commit message to it, uh, and then we pushed it up to the origin and named it the branch on the other end and and made them tracking. Okay. Correct. 
So right. the last thing you should see on the output is branch dev-zsh set up to track remote branch dev-zsh from origin. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now I'm caught up. Yes. Went by kind of fast. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, that's that's the power of... Now that we're getting to the stage where we're using Git commands that do multiple things at once, it, it all goes by quite quickly, which is great. Yeah, so remember, I we don't have any practice going on here. So this this is not muscle memory for me yet. Because we've not been practicing Right, this is repetition, though. So far, there is nothing new here today. This is 100% repetition. Oh, oh, no, no, I know. But it's not sunk in, because I've never typed any of this myself, because I copy and You've paste You've been kicking commands. the GUI. <laughs> no, well, right, right. But don't know how to connect the two yet, so. Yeah, I would like to think that the GUI is beginning to make sense. Yeah, it's helping to make the GUI make sense, but it doesn't mean I know what the commands mean when I type them. That dash U, or that we checked out the branch, or we created the branch when we checked it out, that just isn't muscle memory yet, right? Right, but remember that Git is, for a Linux utility, surprisingly human-friendly. Because if you look at the output it gave you when you did the checkout minus B, it actually would have told you that it made a new branch. Oh yeah, it's a switch to a new branch. Yeah. Well, I wasn't so, reading that while listening to you. Well, there you go. I mean, it's because we're chatting away, right? So I, I okay. sort of, it's a good reminder to everyone that Git is surprisingly helpful on the command line. Because I, I am used to, you know, tools by geeks for geeks being <laughs> significantly less helpful than this. Right. Git is actually surprisingly good. So I didn't actually finish the job, right? As As the name of the commit implies, made a start on adding ZSH because I got interrupted. Some pretend calamity happened and I need to leave the house and grab my laptop. So, okay, fine. Imagine I've, I don't know, imagine I've driven somewhere. Perish the thought. Um, I vaguely remember what driving somewhere feels like. Um, anyway, I took my laptop with me. Oh, and we I'm just did all this in. on the desktop. Is that right? We did all this on the desktop, okay. yes. We pushed it up to our, to our uh, remote. We're now on the laptop, and we want to pick up where we left off. So to pretend to be on our laptop, we simply go cd dot dot slash pbs one one five a dash laptop. There we go. We've imaginarily switched to our laptop. Bing. So now we're left. Now we're in the situation I described as the third scenario. Right, a branch exists on the remote, which I don't have yet here on my laptop. I don't even so know I'll- the branch exists. Yeah. It, it's not been fetched yet, right? So Git doesn't know. Now, you know because you're the same human being who's moved from one machine to another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, because I'm forgetful in this case, because of that calamity correct. that I had to deal with driving in the car. So I come yeah. back to my laptop and I'm like, wait, what did I do? Exactly. So indeed, the very first thing you should definitely get in the habit of doing when you sit down at a machine to pick up where you left off is to do a Git fetch. It's just a good idea to make sure that reality and your repository are in sync with each other. Okay. Generally helps. So, so as you right there, now, is that okay? Yes, yes, as, as indeed the show notes say. So uh, I you don't see s- it in the show notes. That's why I was asking. Uh, tracking a new remote branch, the very first code block, it says git fetch and shows the output. Oh, oh, I was down too low. Okay, got it. Okay, good. Enumerating objects, what's it's found? Oh, found a new branch called dev-zsh. Aha. So, I guess we should uh, grab that. Uh, well, first thing we should do, actually, just to prove to ourselves that it, that branch doesn't exist, uh, or sorry, imagine for a moment that we had not done a fetch, um, or 
more realistically, we have done a fetch, but we weren't paying attention because I do that all the time. <laughs> Especially okay. when you're using a GUI because the GUI fetches continuously. Pretty much as if you have Git Kraken open, the moment Git Kraken regains focus, like if you just command tab to it, the very first thing it does, the instant you command tab is a fetch so that it can update all of its little icons. So if you're relying on the output of git fetch to tell you what's going on, and if you have a GUI open at the same time, the GUI is going to sort of steal it, it's steal your thunder a bit because it's going to be too helpful. So it is good to remember that if you didn't happen to catch the git fetch, you can always see what's happening on the remote by typing git space branch space minus or to list the remote branches. All of the branches on the remote. Correct. Okay. In fact, it's all branches on all remotes, but you generally just have the one. Okay. So that immediately tells us that, oh, look, what exists on the remote? We have a special branch called head, which I just have as an aside there just to say that uh, head is a special pointer that tells you what the remote's default branch is, which for us is good old-fashioned main. <laughs> Glad it's good old-fashioned now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've gotten to the point where I find it weird to see master, which is great. Um. Yep. So origin dev ZSH and origin main exist, as well as the, the pointer from head to main. So, okay, so, ah, that's obviously what I was in the middle of doing, that dev ZSH thing. There's a dev branch there. So we need to check out this branch that doesn't exist here, but does exist there, and track it. So if we weren't sure if we'd done this already, we could do a git space git space branch space minus vv for very verbose to see all the tracking relationships that do exist. And you would see that you don't have a tracking relationship with dev zsh yet. Um, gets, oh, no, uh, uh, don't, don't forget the word branch dash vv. Yes. There we go. All right. Yeah. I only have a tracking relationship with main right now. Indeed. So the generic form of the command to get a new branch and start tracking it at the same time is git space checkout space minus b, and then you give it a local name, space, the name of a remote, forward slash the name of a remote branch. And mm -hmm. the local branch and the remote branch are almost always going to have the same name as each other, right? Because that right. just makes sense. But what's so the remote's the name? Origin for us. Ah. Is origin lowercase? Uh, I have a look. It almost certainly is, but you can see that in the branch minus or if you scroll up in your terminal a little bit. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, you can by all means go ahead and type that, but I'm about to save you some typing um, because it is so spectacularly common to just want to use the same sodding name on both sides that Git has provided us with a shortcut. The minus minus track flag lets us short circuit that. So instead of typing git space checkout space minus b space main space origin slash main, which is very duplicative, we can just say git space checkout minus minus track origin slash main, which is actually very understandable. Check out the thing on the far side and track it. I mean, that is, as Git commands right. go, as close to English and as you're going to get. Of course, so I that's want it to be, the, that assumes I want it to be the same name. Exactly. That's exactly what it does. Because we're not animals. Okay. Yeah. So if you just go ahead and do that, you should see it very nicely tells you branch dev ZSH set up to track remote branch from origin, switch to a new branch dev ZSH. So again, with Git being very helpful. Cool. 
So we can now pick up where we left off, hypothetically, or typey-typey in our favourite code editor, which, uh, for anyone who's curious, I'm a VS Code user these days. Yay! Really have just, have I actually converted you to something. You did, yes, because, yeah, I mean, no, my, I think I tried out VS Code when it was very, very new, and I was mm. like, well, it's nice to see Microsoft be open source, but God, like, they're trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, it matured spectacularly nicely between when I tried it and got bored and when you told me, no, Bart, seriously, give it a go. And I and did, and I, I love it. Before we before we started here, I was showing Bart that I've uh, one of the things I've struggled with is um, writing a lot of commit messages. Uh, you know, Helma says commit early, commit often. but I, And I'm okay with pushing the commit button. What I'm not okay with is stopping what I'm doing to think up a good name for this code still doesn't work, you know, which is normally <laughs> what it means. And uh, uh, Bart and Helma and I were talking about it and Helma suggested, or Bart suggested, whenever I get my butt out of my chair, that's when I have to commit. I have to, I have to commit. So you might as well be writing those commit messages as you go. But it was a really big change for me to be right in the middle of coding and, you know, save and then have to go switch to another application, another interface, remember where I had to go to write the commit message to find the hunk I wanted to commit and blah, 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 all this stuff. But I discovered in VS Code in the left sidebar, if you click on the thing that's got like three circles and a weird squiggly line between them, it's actually a little tiny Git window. And so you can type in a commit message and hit the checkbox and keep moving. Yep, and and it's just like right there. It's like, oh, did this check? Did this check? And I found I wrote like twenty five commit messages in a couple of hours because of that. Fantastic. Yeah. The other wonderful thing about uh, VS Code is that it understands JS doc comments. So if you get into the habit of commenting your JavaScript code with the at param and all that stuff we mentioned, oh, so many moons ago, VS Code will read it all. So when you hover over a function name, it will tell you what arguments to use. Hmm. I have done some of that, but I never knew where to go to look for that. So we should talk about that on the side, though. But uh, yeah, this is great software. Yeah, yeah, VS Code just rocks. And it just keeps getting rockier because every time a new version comes out, it like the release notes are always fun because I always end up going, ooh, nice idea. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, there's a, a bonus tip for today, VS Code. And it's cross-platform as well. So everyone gets to play. Okay, so I did my typey, 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 but you don't have to. You'll find the folder PBS105A-3 that contains an updated version of index.html. Plop that one into your laptop folder this time, since we're All sitting right. in our laptop now. Okay. And we can then commit our change. And again, we're keeping with our structured commits. So it's now a new feature because we're finished. So it's feet colon added ZSH to hello world history is going to be our commit message. So git space commit space minus am space feet colon added zsh hello world history and uh, we should push obviously so we should just do git push and we don't have to be specific about dash b and branch and all that kind of nonsense because it knows the the branches are tracking now correct if we didn't have tracking branches we would have to be very explicit and say we want to push this thing here to that thing over there but because we're now tracking everything nicely automatically it just git push just goes oh yeah i know what you want I can, I tell someone that I can read your mind. I can read your config. It says right here. <laughs> <laughs> so we should see it push csh dev dash csh to dev dash dev dash csh. Yes. So at that point, we hypothetically, uh, we do a little bit of playing around in our browser and we go, yeah, we're happy. We've, we've finished our work here. 
So this commit is now sitting on the dev branch. Well, it's it's ready for prime time. Let us oh. merge it into the main branch. This is where so, I always get scared. <laughs> okay, well, let me hold your hand. So okay. in order to merge something into main, the first thing we have to do is get ourselves onto main. So git space checkout space main. Oh, it says switch branch to main. Okay. And because we have a tracking relationship, it also tells us conveniently what the state of play is of our copy of main relative to the remote. Ah. And it tells us that we are up to date with the remote. Okay. Which is nice. So we then want to merge our dev branch into our current branch. So git space merge space dev minus csh. Enter. And we did that because we have to move to the place we want to merge into. Correct. That's the merge command pulls to it to you. So you pull branches into yourself. Hence we go to main and then we say, get that one over there. In it comes. Well, in keeping with our standard process, we should now tag this commit with the new version number, which is at 2.12.0. So git space tag space v2.12.0 space minus m. And then we add the message feet colon added zsh to a low world history. And we hit enter. Now, why are we using a tag with a message or an annotated tag? You told us last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. I remember so you telling last, us, though. Well, that's halfway there. <laughs> so last time I told you to set a global configuration variable that applies at the account level within your computer, which means that every time you push, it will automatically include every annotated tag. Right. And what was what's the significance of including that what? annotated tag uh if you didn't have if you didn't have that config you would have to manually push every tag which you would inevitably forget okay i'm losing track of the different so you're saying if there was no annotation if there was no message the dash m on a tag and i pushed okay what would let's happen? back up if you okay, if you did nothing, right? If you didn't have any special configuration variable set, you would have to remember every single time you made a tag to explicitly push the tag. You would have to say git space push space name of tag every single time. Okay, but what because git we added offers the message. you? No, no, no. Let me let me build up to it. Okay, sorry. So git offers you a feature to automatically push some tags and the rule for what counts as some is does it have an annotation okay so if you set the config all annotated tags get pushed automatically and unannotated tags don't and the reason for that is that an unannotated tag is basically a note to self like a post-it note whereas Hmm. an annotated tag is something that actually matters so you would annotate important tags that you want to be part of the history. But if you want to leave yourself a note saying, hey, this is the commit where I think I went horribly wrong, you would just do an unannotated tag. Just give it a name that says, you know, look here or oh, or whatever, right? Just give yeah. the tag a name but no message. And okay. then that will never get shared with your colleagues and they will never see that you swear in your tag names or whatever you do. <laughs> 
Okay. But when huh. you want something to be important, you should give it a message anyway, right? If it's worthy of tagging, it's also worthy of describing. So it actually makes sense. Okay. But so don't describe your tags that are full of swear words and just to yourself. Correct. Yes. What is the default when you're using a GUI? Do those things... That entire, that... That's 100% up to the GUI to decide. Okay. The GUI you... could decide to respect the Git setting, which is what I would imagine most of them would do. The Git setting. But how would you have ever... Is that something you set in preferences or something in, in something like Git Kraken or no? It would... I don't know off the back of my head. It would entirely okay. depend on the GUI's choice, okay. whether it exposes the Git settings. Okay. Um. Most GUIs will generally read your dot, dot .git file, uh, your, your your git config file from your home directory. So when you use the git space config command, it's writing a git config file in your home directory. Hmm. Okay. And so any GUI is free to, not just free to, any GUI worth its salt should in fact read your configuration. So, and you can tell this is happening, right? Because if your GUI automatically has your correct name and email address because it's read it from the global setting we set together very early in this process, well, then it's clearly reading your config file. Okay. And if your Git GUI doesn't have your name and email address, it isn't reading your config file. Okay. All right. I think I follow. Okay. So again, we're we're sticking with our best practice, which is to tag our new version and give it a meaningful description. And so when we then type a git push to take the changes to main and put them up to the NAS, you will see that it automatically pushes both the commit and the tag. Oh, okay. When you said that that adding a message automatically made the tag be pushed. I thought it got pushed then. No, no. It means that when you push, the tag is automatically that's, Yeah, included. that's different. Okay, I kept looking at it going, really? It, I just tag it and give it a message and it automatically pushes it. Okay. It just means it will be included in what gets pushed. Automatically yes. be included. Okay. Yes. Where if it doesn't have a message, it won't. Got it. Okay, now I'm finally yes. caught up. Yes. And again, it's only if the setting push.follow tags is set to true in your config, which is what we did last week, so that your config on your computer now has push.follow tags set to true. Okay. And we set that on my whole computer last time, as I recall. Oh, no, it's actually at the account level. Oh, okay. Okay. Allison or yes. Bart. Okay. Or login. Right, yeah, Got it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if, you know, if Steve were to share a Mac Mini or something, he would have to make his own choice on whether or okay. not to follow tags. I'd suggest following tags. So our dev branch has now done its work, right? We've gone through a full cycle of our standard process. We made a dev branch and checked it out. We did some work. We pushed our work to the remote. We switched computers. We pulled the remote. We did some more work. We pushed our work. Actually, yeah, we did. And then we were happy. It's like, okay, we're all finished. So we changed to main. We merged our work into main. We gave it a new version number following our rules. And then we pushed all of that on main up to the remote. So the dev branch is done, right? Its purpose is a work in progress. It's for the development work where well, the feature is complete. So according to our own rules, before we had the concept of a remote, we would have simply deleted the branch. So let's do that. Let's delete the branch. So git space branch space minus d dev dash zsh. Well, that gets us 
halfway to where we need to be because it still exists on the server. Right. So as we learned last time, you cannot automatically delete on both in one step. So we have to explicitly delete it on the server too. So we say git space push... Let me... Can't speak properly this evening. (laughs) Git space push space origin space minus minus delete space dev dash csh. I still find it disturbing to delete development branches. I feel like it should still be there to know that that existed at one time. You are by all means free to leave them lying around, but they will not make your life easier. Yeah, no, I, I I understand it intellectually why you would get rid of them because all of the information that was in that branch exists. Deleting Correct. the, the name of the exists. branch doesn't doesn't make its work cease to exist. Correct. You can still see that you uh, edited that index.html file. That information is still there because everything's still in the repo. It's just you can no longer point at it. The hash is gone. No, no, the hash is still there. Oh, the hash is you, still there, but the the name doesn't exist the name is gone right because all a branch is is a pointer to the current head of the of the branch interesting does is git tracking who did it like if you that is in the metadata and that will forever be there so if you look at the metadata for your commit it will forever say who it was because it's reading that from your config file okay okay so one of the very very first exactly so if i push it it will have my name on it always Okay. okay That's baked into the commit. So so if, all the information about all the changes that were made is still there and who did it. And when. Right. Okay. Yeah, so all that metadata is still there. I mean, a, a branch is just a label for the tip of the branch. Because every commit knows who its parent is. So if you point at the top of a branch, that's the only thing you have to do because from that point on, you just follow the inheritance. And that gives right. you all the rest. I so think a branch... The, the, the it's practice I'm name. getting with us doing the uh, show notes is good because we delete the whip branch each time. But I think I've only been deleting it locally. Well, I generally get there before you and delete it remotely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although not always, actually. I think you cleaned up last time. That doesn't sound like me. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. Give us, I think you give us some credit for that. Anyway. All right. All right. So we have now cleaned up after ourselves on both places. That's on the laptop and on the NAS. But on yeah, the desktop, that, that branch might still be there. Well, not just might. It is. So let's yeah, go. Okay. Let's, let's, we right. have come home. Crisis has been averted. Some time has gone by. You know, God only knows what's happened. We sit down at our desktop someday. So let's cd. slash pbs1058-desktop. So we're back at our desktop. Well, mm-hmm. if we were a thinking person, we would do a git fetch before we did anything else. But I'll be honest... I very often forget. In fact, the wise thing to do would be a git fetch followed by a git status because the git fetch would make sure that reality on our machine is fully in tune with the the NAS and a git status would tell us where we are. But I'll be honest, I tend to just blindly sit down and I tend to just, without thinking, go git pull. (laughs) And, And what's the danger in just git pull? Cause that well, there isn't one, thankfully. Thankfully, and, Git and... has our back. Yeah. So, to prove the point, the show notes show what happens when you do a Git pull. And what you will notice is that the output for the first eight lines of that output, that's the output of a Git fetch. And that's not a coincidence. That's because the very first thing Git pull does is say, have you fetched recently? 
I know you haven't. Let me fetch for you. So a git pull will do an, an implicit fetch if it needs to. So which which lines are the fetch? The first like eight. I break objects, them out of the next part of the show notes. So uh, if, you, if you scroll down in the show notes, I pick out exactly those lines. Just two paragraphs down. Oh, oh, I see. I have a bunch of hint lines, too. Bunch of what lines? Hint lines. So right after git pull, it doesn't go right to the remote enumerating objects. Mine says, hint, pulling without specifying how to reconcile divergent branches is discouraged. You could squelch this message by running one of the following commands sometime before your next pull. And it's misspelled. That sounds like you have a more recent version of Git than I do, which is quite possible because I'm doing this from my machine that I'm purposely keeping a few versions of macOS back because I'm still a little bit afraid of losing Aperture. (laughs) Haven't opened it in two years, but I'm still afraid. (laughs) Well, I'm talking to you from Mojave, um, and well, you're obviously not. <laughs> it says you can replace git config with git config space dash dash global to set a default preference for all repositories. You can also pass dash dash rebase, dash dash no rebase, or dash dash ff dash only on the command line to override the configured default per invocation. That's not a very so, helpful hint at all. Yeah, so what it, well, the first part does, but it's saying pulling without specifying how to reconcile divergent branches is discouraged. So what is it warning me about? Not a clue. <laughs> Genuinely not a clue. Okay. All right, moving on. Yeah, I just always pull. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, my ver- oh, my mics are too old for it to tell me I'm being silly, but no, I just pull. Okay. So in this case, the the, the, the first thing it's done is a fetch implicitly. And so what you will actually see from the fetch is that it, oh, look, main has changed and a new tag has appeared, which is indeed what has happened from our from the remote's point of view, because the dev branch is gone from the remote. So it, we never see the fact that it was once changed. So what we see is main changing and a new tag. I have an, oh, never mind. You do have that one. Okay. So the fact that it's not showing the the branch that it's deleted is what we're looking it's the absence of something you're pointing out right about just mentioning it right just in case you were thinking of it maybe i shouldn't have said anything but no but we're we're noticing that the dev dash zsh branch is no is not listed there that is certainly something i'm pointing out yeah i mean okay i I don't know how relevant it is but yeah i mean okay the only thing that has changed on the on the nas is origin slash main has a new commit and there's a new tag so at this point a new tag bart well the first time you did a fetch and only the first time because once you fetched once it ain't gonna happen again no but you said when i did that pull it should have showed me uh that new tag v2.12.0 and it did not then it's possible that you're on a computer where you don't have the global setting to automatically push your tags. I'm where I was last week. Maybe I did it. Maybe I disobeyed. I remember you said we could choose whether to do it globally or not. I did say you could do it at the repository level. And I, repository knowing repository. me, I just did it that way. That would certainly explain the behavior because this is a whole fresh repository, freshly cloned. So yeah. the setting will be gone. I'll have to go back and revisit that to make sure I can keep up. Okay. Let's assume I did that, because that sounds like me to have done the opposite of whatever you suggested, just because you told me I had a choice. (laughs) That has been known to happen, yes. (laughs) So, we 
So, okay, so it's done the implicit commit, and then the poll had more output, right? It says, your configuration specifies to merge with the ref, ref heads dev ZSH. But from the remote, but no such ref was fetched. In other words, I'm trying to stay up to date with dev ZSH, but the server appears to have forgotten all about such a branch. Hmm. Okay. I'm tracking and there ain't nobody on the other end of this phone line here. So what has obviously happened, oh, hang on a sec, well, what has happened? So at this point, I would say git status, because that way I can see where I am. And it says, so I say git status, it says, I'm on the branch dev ZSH. Oh, oops, I'm still on the branch. I'm not back on my main. Oopsie daisies. Well, there ain't nothing for me to get because the branch on the far side is gone because we finished that work and it was deleted. So um, I guess the first thing I should do is uh, get back to main because that's sort of the run home <laughs> option in Git, right? So git space checkout space main. Great. Oh, your branch is behind origin slash main by two commits. Huh. And again, with Git being very helpful, it says use Git pull to update your local branch. So I guess we should. So if All we right. do a Git space pull, it'll fetch down index.html for us. Yes. Okay, so we now have everything that was done on the laptop safely on the desktop. But we do also have some detritus left behind because we still have the now obsolete ZSH branch. Oh. So right, we, delete it, we have to delete it a third time? Uh, yes, but we actually have a little bit more to do than that. So if we just look at what we have locally, we can say git space branch and we can see that we have dev ZSH and main. But there's something else going on that's a little bit subtle but important. So when you fetch a remote, you actually take a local copy of all of the commits. So you have locally a cache of the now deleted remotely dev ZSH branch. You mean the deletion of of that remote branch? No, you have the that remote branch the way it was okay. before you left. Okay. It hasn't Even been able to update it's merged itself. into main where I am by the pole. Right, but no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. It hasn't. All you did was get new information for main. So main moved forward by a commit. You don't know that was a result of a merge. You just I don't know, know that it was a result of a merge, but I, I have my index.html is up to date. So I have Correct. merged. My code is merged. Your code is merged, but your branches are not. They're all confused. Ooh, this is ugly. Yeah. So you still have that cache. So you can clean that up. And the word Git uses in its jargon for cleaning up a cache is you should want to prune (laughs) your caches. Because they're branches, right? So you prune them. So you can explicitly prune periodically by saying git space fetch space minus minus prune. And if you do that now, you will see that it deletes origin dev ZSH. Origin dev ZSH? Should have been the local dev ZSH. No, 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 no. Prune, pruning is for cleaning the cache. Pruning is your cache, right? You have cached. 
You have cached that former remote branch. You are cleaning the cache. That's all you're cleaning here. Pruning is taking care of the, the local cache. branch? Because the local branch exists. Yes, that is problem two. That is problem oh. two. I told okay. you there were two things you had to clean up. The first one is the one you're likely to forget, the cache. Second it's still one is me the obvious. terminology, though, that it seems to me that I'm pruning the cache's knowledge that Origin used to have dev.zsh. No, it already knows that it's gone from Origin. What it hasn't done is deleted all of, the, all of that information locally. So it still has a local copy of that branch. But you just finished saying we're not, that didn't get rid of the local copy of the branch. No, no. No, no. Okay. No. You have a local branch and yes. you have a local copy of the remote branch. They are two completely separate things. Okay. Right? Huh. Why? Why do I have a copy of the, lo- the remote branch? So that you can work on an airplane. When you do a git fetch, you are taking everything from the remote and you are caching it locally so you can go on an airplane. This is so you messy. can plug out the network lead. All right. Well, it's messy, okay. but don't worry about it. So we do a git fetch minus minus prune, it cleans up the caches, but only the caches. Okay. So. If we now do a git branch minus vv, it will tell us that we have a dev zsh and it's trying to trap or track origin dev zsh and then it follows up by the very helpful gone. So you have a tracking relationship to something that is gone. I'm not seeing it say anything's gone. I'm seeing dev dash CSH organist. Oh, there it is. Origin slash dev dash CSH gone. Okay. And then world. So we now have an orphaned branch. So we should just delete it. So we can do that by saying git branch minus D dev CSH. All right. I don't like So now we've deleted the branch. Now, as you have very eloquently pointed out, that pruning thing is A, confusing and B, annoying. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a global setting I'd like you to set, and you could set it per repository again, but <laughs> I do advise setting it globally. Uh, okay. Fetch.prune, set to true, and then every time you fetch, it will just prune for you. You'll never okay. have to think about those caches ever again. So I git like space config, yeah, git space config space minus minus global, fetch.prune, true. Okay, good. I'm going to right now, while you're still talking, I'm going to go look at, woo, no, that's not right. I'm going to go look at uh, PBS 114 so that I can change my, my other global settings so that we don't have this exact same conversation next time. <laughs> I think it's, uh, is it? Get config local tags. push to follow tags dash true. There we go. No, no, no. That's just the current repository. Got to have global in there. Minus minus global. Yeah, Yeah. there we go. Okay. I'm doing that one now, so nobody has to listen to me say it next week, and the week after, the week after, the week after. Excellent. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, wrapping things up for today, well, not just for today, actually, this this is quite a, we've reached a very important milestone. So, all the way back in installment 101, which is when we started getting... I said, before we'd even mentioned that we'd, you know, before we'd even focused on Git, we were still thinking in terms of the big picture, what is source control. But I basically said that our journey would be a three-phase journey. We'd start with local repositories so that we get to know 
what it means to commit, what it means to check out, what it means to branch, what it means to merge, right? How we resolve conflicts, all of that really basic stuff we did with one single local repository. That was phase one. Phase two is we add the concept of a server, as I was calling it then, or a remote, as we now know to call it, for just us, right? It's only one human being, but we now have multiple repositories in play. And so that's where we have been the last three or four installments. That's phase two. And then phase three was we bring other human beings into the picture. Well, we finished phase one way back in installment 111. So it took us 10 installments to get as far as finishing with local repositories. And since then, we've been working with remotes. So 12, 13, 14, and today in 15. Well, that actually brings us to the end of the second phase of a server just for us, because we now have all of the skills we need to dip our toe into the bigger pool, right? The first step into that pool will be, imagine working with other human beings within a community. So all the human beings have full read and write privileges. So this is 100% analogous to how yourself, myself, and Helma work on Taming the Terminal. And Dorothy. And Dorothy, and how much you're the newcomer, by the way. I'm the newcomer. That is very true. Yeah, you three were working away long before I ever was told it even existed. Um, So, you, all three of you, and now four of us, have the same rights as each other, right? So, we are a team, right? It's not not like committing to the Linux kernel where there is, you know, a group of core maintainers and the rest of the planet. Right, that is that takes us to that brings us an extra level of complexity. So that is that is our final target for the end of phase three. But phase three is going to be two steps: first, working with a team, and then working with an open source project. Well, believe it or not, we right now, this minute in time, we have all of the base knowledge we need for working with a team. In fact, we have. We have learned all the git we're going to learn in this series. Hmm. Okay. The only thing left is some GitHub-specific tools. So GitHub is Git plus. GitHub has some features that are, that are built on Git but are not part of standard Git. Um, a lot of people don't realize that GitHub invented the pull request. Hmm. That is not a Git feature. That is a GitHub feature. Okay. So we're going to learn some GitHub to round us out because that is how you collaborate with an open source project today is almost all on GitHub. But right now, today, you have all of the building blocks of using Git. You know about commits, branches, tags, merging branches, fetching, pushing, pulling. That's it. That is Git. You do those same Lego bricks over and over and over and over and over again. But that is Git. That is, that they are the pieces of the puzzle. And the order in which you do things is really all the changes as you move into the different scenarios. We have all of the tools we need. Now, we don't want to imply that GitHub is the only way to do this. There's things like Bitbucket and a few others, right? That is correct, but GitHub has very much found itself as the de facto home of open source. Okay. It's, it is like once upon a time before they became evil, SourceForge used to be. 
<laughs> I, I just know that uh, good friend of the show and and PBS aficionado Ed Tobias is a, a Bitbucket fan, so I want to make sure we nod the head there too. Yeah, I mean, and there are also like GitLab would be another big name yeah, to show in there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, I'm not aware of very many open source projects who would have Bitbucket as their primary oh, really? method of okay. interacting with the public. Okay, and and I think it's okay. Also, fine that we pick one to talk yes. to for doing this. I think that's more than enough. Yeah, and also the reason I'm picking GitHub is because it has that sort of privileged position that it really is so, so many open source projects have their public interface on GitHub. So if you want to commit a bug fix to PHP, you do it on GitHub, right? Right, right. And since that's where we're going, it's, you know, it just, it, it, as I say, it, GitHub has become a very standard part of the open source toolkit. There are so many open source projects who have their public home here, you know, on GitHub. And it's a tool I use day in, day out, every single day. So I'm, <laughs> I, I'm comfortable here. I like it here. I am at home here. <laughs> so I can talk about it with confidence. Whereas, I'll be honest, I am, I am not as at home on the other. I've used GitLab. Um, I haven't used Bitbucket, if I'm honest, but I have, I have used GitLab. And I'm becoming very familiar now with my work add-on of something called Azure DevOps. Oh, which is such a Microsoft I, fanboy, Bart. I you know. Got, you got GitHub, you're talking Azure, you love Microsoft Teams, you like VS Code. VS Code. They've yeah, sucked you yeah, into their madness. They have. <laughs> Satya Nadella, he's done a much better job but, but than But they did it in the right did. way, right? Yeah, they got a cloud guy to be their CEO, and now they have these amazing services that are completely platform agnostic and work great. Huh, how did that happen? Go figure, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we will so draw a line it, under Would it here. be homework, oh. a good homework assignment for people to go create a GitHub account right now? Or is that going to be part of what you're going to tell them to do at the beginning? Um, that's an interesting Sometime question. in the next couple of weeks, create an account so you're ready to hit the ground running. It certainly wouldn't do any harm. Yeah, you know, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, actually, absolutely no harm to create yourself a GitHub account because we are definitely going to learn about some cool GitHub stuff. And if you'd like to play along, an account would be helpful. <laughs> right, right. I don't think they'd be able to follow along without it. Not really, no. They just have to look at the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably somebody who does it. Indeed. Well, anyway, until then, most importantly, until then, Happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.